Into the Weird, Episode 45, The Tomb of Doctor Strange. Welcome to Into the Weird, a comic book podcast that chronicles the weird and wonderful world of Marvel comics in the Bronze Age. From 1970 to 1985, nothing is too strange, too offbeat, too sorcerously surreal for us to cover. I'm Herm, your hoary host of Hogoth. Thank you for joining me on this comic-filled journey into the weird. Before we start, a big shout-out is due to the great band Seven Kingdoms, our unofficial sponsor for their incredible song In the Walls, which serves as our intro tune and which you just heard. They rock. Listen to them on Apple Music and Spotify, or you can follow them on Facebook to get notifications of upcoming tours, events, and new albums. All right, weirdos, this week we're back with two gloriously goofy but also freakishly frightful issues featuring our favorite mystical Marvel protagonist, Doctor Strange. And as hinted in last week's episode, this time Stephen faces a foe unlike any he's encountered before. This is a being probably familiar to all of you weirdos and Bronze Age aficionados. You definitely know him. You might love to loathe him or loath to love him. Take your pick. He's the Prince of Darkness, the Lord of the Undead, the Impaler of Invaders, the Nuzzler of Jugulars. You guessed it, it's Dracula himself. Dracula's making a return to Into the Weird once again. So we talked a bit about Drac two weeks ago. Now it's no secret that he's one of my favorite creations ever, literary or otherwise. Not only is the novel by Bram Stoker one of the most fascinating things I've ever read, but I was also weaned on the Hammer Horror films when I was a kid, uh, starring, of course, the great Christopher Lee as the bloodthirsty Count Dracula. And along with the Doctor Strange comics from the 1970s, Tomb of Dracula was one of the very first series I ever read, it made me fall in love with comics and with horror, so it holds a special place in my heart. 
And because of this, it's a pretty big deal having these two characters who are favorites of mine meet for the first time ever. And then, of course, they go on to establish a lifelong enmity that will last well into the 1980s and finally see its culmination with the classic Montesi formula storyline, which we will definitely one day cover on the show. So hold on to your magical amulets, weirdos, because things are about to get disturbing, but also darkly hilarious. Now, as mentioned before, today's story is a two-parter, and it ran in an issue of Tomb of Dracula and a follow-up issue of Doctor Strange in 1976. Now, 1976 was a pretty monumental year. Lots of significant events happened. Um, These include, among others, the United States celebrating its bicentennial, 200 years of the United States, pretty uh, massive celebration that occurred there. And then the Summer Olympics at Montreal happened, where Nadia Comaneci cleaned the house and scored the first perfect 10 in Olympic gymnastics history. Uh, Also, Apple Computer was founded in 1976 by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. And the first outbreak of Ebola occurred, unfortunately, in South Sudan. Oh, the Rocky movie franchise launched. The first Rocky film was released in 1976. And on the musical front, the Ramones released their first album. um, One of the most influential punk bands of all time and one of my favorites. And The Muppet Show premiered on television, (laughs) beloved children's television program in 1976 from Jim Henson. And uh, Jimmy Carter was elected president of the United States. And finally, the Viking One spacecraft landed successfully on Mars, which means that that was the first ever spacecraft to land on another planet. Now, it goes without saying that among all these significant events, Doctor Strange meeting Dracula should definitely be added to this list. So, all right, let's go behind the scenes a bit with these two issues. Our story starts off in Tomb of Dracula, issue 44, which was cover dated May 1976, written and edited by Marf Wolfman, penciled by Gene Colan, inked and colored by Tom Palmer, lettered by John Constanza. And the cover is a masterpiece of action and dynamism uh, by Colan, Tom Palmer, and Danny Crespi. Now, let's get to the synopsis. This is what you've been waiting for, weirdos. Our story starts with Doctor Strange on the hunt for his trusty manservant, Wong, who's mysteriously gone missing. Using the orb of Agamotto, Strange locates Wong and discovers that his faithful sidekick has been bitten by none other than the notorious vampire lord, Count Dracula, late of Transylvania. But now being apparently a parasitic resident of the good old US of A. And in a race against time, Strange freezes Wong in a temporal spell to prevent him from turning into a blood-sucking fiend. And using his magical powers, Dr. Strange then enters Wong's mind to relive the terrifying moments before he died, before he was attacked by Dracula. This, of course, cues a trippy dream sequence 
uh, but with more biting than rainbows, definitely. Now, armed with this new knowledge of who the attacker is and who will become the object of his vengeance, Strange obviously vows to avenge his friend and take down Dracula, but he's not the only one with a bone to pick with our favorite fanged fiend. A brief interlude shows us Deacon Frost, who's been stalking Dracula for some time now. Now, this is definitely not the Stephen Dorff version of Deacon Frost, so you ladies might be disappointed. But, uh, of course, Blade shows up. He's still on the hunt. Uh, uh, He's on the trail of the man who killed his mother. But this little interlude is really a story for another day. Perhaps we'll cover it one day. But I just had to mention that Blade and Deacon Frost showing up in this issue. Now, meanwhile, in Boston, Harold H. Harold, the hapless nerd and hack writer, who's a recurring character in Todd in Tomb of Dracula, he's been trying to ask out this fetching lady called Aurora Rabinovitz, a woman who once came face to face with Dracula himself. But Harold is stunned to find out that Aurora has one-upped him and turned her experience with Dracula into a book that's now a bestseller. It's called I Loved a Vampire, and it's been picked up by numerous publishers. So she summarily rejects our hapless hack writer Harold's clumsy advances. And this is a bit of comedy here for you weirdos here. Poor Harold. He's always the bridesmaid and never the bride, right? But enough of this trivia. Uh, let's get on to the Doctor Strange story. So back in New York, Stephen uses the Eye of Agamotto to track Dracula's movements after the attack on Wong. And this leads him straight to the Vampire Lord's lair, which just so happens to be in the former headquarters of one of Drac's recently vanquished foes, the brain being Dr. Sun, who's probably Drac's greatest foe, at least in my mind, you know, on the comic book page. Now talk about a small world. This is where Dracula's nesting in the home of his erstwhile enemy. So as soon as Dr. Strange arrives, Dracula senses his presence, negating the element of surprise that Stephen probably didn't even know he needed. And then the two engage in an epic battle of suitably mystical proportions. And then Stephen, reluctant to employ his full powers, because he wants to take Dracula alive to first learn how he may cure Wong. Stephen finds that putting on the kid gloves here makes the Vampire Lord, of course, even more formidable. And not even the images of Icon that Stephen employs can stop Dracula from first hypnotizing and then overpowering the Sorcerer Supreme and then slamming his fangs into Stephen's neck. So that's how the issue ends. So we got to answer a few questions here, or it leaves us with a couple of questions, listeners. Will Stephen be able to bring Wong back from the brink of vampirism and himself? (laughs) And will Deacon Frost and Blade get more attention from the creative team? Will Harold ever find love? Or, you know, these are all the burning questions that we uh, care about here at Into the Weird that keep us up at night, folks. But uh, one thing's for sure, of course, this battle's far from over. So stick around, listeners. Settle in, get ready for a wild ride filled with magic, because there's still plenty of mayhem and humor, biting humor, in fact, to come 
in our next chapter, Doctor Strange 14, which concludes the story. But first, we'll discuss this issue of Tomb of Dracula, issue 44. Um, let's talk some Bronze Age brilliance and Mighty Marvel missteps. First off, the cover by Colin Palmer and Crespi. All I can say is, damn, they really, really outdid themselves with this one. It's probably the only time I've ever seen Steven riding on a horse into battle. And he does so with flair and style because while he's riding on this horse, he's also blasting Drac with what appears to be some kind of a miniature sun that explodes on the vampire's uh, sexy cravat. (laughs) And this reflects events from the issue, of course, when Steven uses the images of Icon to simulate the distant past where the human Dracula was battling the Turkish Lord who would eventually infect him with vampirism. And this battle happened on horseback. Now, in this false reality, Stephen is himself the Turkish Lord who defeats Dracula. And uh, he attacks him as a knight would. But Dracula eventually manages to shrug off the images of Icon, proving that Stephen probably would have been better off blasting his foe with a bolt of bedevilment or something like that, rather than trying to confound him with illusions. Uh, And the cover also sports the story's spectacular title, which is Dracula versus Doctor Strange, and one will die. Kind of true, if you think about it. And the cover also includes the disclaimer, because you demanded it, you, reader, because you demanded it. So yeah, I guess, of course, readers of the time must have been clamoring for a showdown between these two in the letter pages, I guess, because um, especially since, you know, these two titles shared the same art team, makes sense, doesn't it? But the entire setup of this issue is phenomenal, concise storytelling on the part of Marf Wolfman. He wastes no time just throwing you into the thick of things. Um, So it just starts off with Wong being attacked, trying to save a lady that Dracula's snacking on in an alley. And now Doctor Strange seeks answers and vengeance. So simple plot, but great execution. And the comical Harold H. Harold serves to break the tension briefly. But then the action picks up again, and then Wolfman inundates you with anticipation. So he's constantly teasing Stephen's inevitable battle with Dracula. And even the brief interlude with Blade and Deacon Frost, it just serves to add an air of mystery to the story, compelling you basically to pick up the next issue. So the Mighty Marvel missteps are very few. And the only one that I think is worth mentioning would be the fact that Doctor Strange needs to hold back in order to subdue Dracula rather than kill him. So it's not a full-on a battle that Steven is using his full powers against Dracula, sadly. But I understand the motivation behind that. Of course, he's trying to save Wong. He wants to force Dracula to tell him the secrets of how to cure vampirism. But surely there's another spell, probably one of immobilization in your repertoire, Steven. I mean... The Crimson Bands of Sidorak wouldn't have worked because Drac can become intangible, but there must have been another one, more effective way, a more effective way to magically contain Dracula or imprison him. But, you know, I guess Stephen also suffers from overbearing arrogance, right? As much as Dracula does. 
But in this case, though, it proved the Sorcerer Supreme's downfall rather than the Count's. Now, my two favorite pages from the issue are, firstly, a page where Stephen sends his astral form into the image of Wong's mind that he conjures, and then he relives Wong's last moments. And there's also a funny scene in Dr. Sun's lab where Dracula is just going crazy and using a massive wooden beam to smash all Dr. Sun's computers to bits. I mean, we know how much Dracula hates technology, right? And that's just before bedding down in his coffin. We'll be back after a quick break. It's time to take a ride down the audiobook trail. I am John McLean. Welcome to the podcast. I ended up discovering the world of audiobooks and thinking, you know what? I've found my spot. We'll do bloopers because I have thousands of them. I love a good story. And, you know, I have to admit, as far as vocations go, this one's pretty cool. This is the Audiobook Trail Podcast. We're going to drop a 30-minute episode every two weeks. Audiobooktrail.com. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. And then the best dialogue in this issue belongs to, obviously, both Doctor Strange and Dracula. (laughs) Both of them are apt to use these grandiose pronouncements. So Dracula says at one point, when he first meets Doctor Strange, he says, I've heard of you, Strange. Whispers floating in gypsy camps. Tales told by failing mages. So what does this mean? This means that Dracula is still frequenting gypsy camps in the United States or, (laughs) and he consorts with other mages on the sly. I mean, wow, this, this he does between panels or this is what he gets up to in the intervals between issues. I don't know, but they hardly ever show Dracula at in gypsy camps in the, in the comics of Todd. So at one point uh, during the battle, Stephen also says, my training is used for far more than mere show. And then he blasts Jack's coffin to smithereens to prove his point. And then he says, the complete destruction of your coffin is but the merest display of my power. (laughs) And then Stephen continues, he says to Dracula, to use you, I must first eliminate your arrogance. Like this. And then he bombards him with the images of Icon. It's crazy. And then Dracula has some brilliant lines of his own. When he finds out why Doctor Strange is attacking him, he goes nuts. He says, you do this for a servant, a mere hireling? No, I'll not suffer through this madman's nightmare for any cretinous menial to suffer indignities, to remember thoughts I wished forgotten, and all for a whimpering domestic? Never! (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right, so um, fantastic dialogue there. You gotta read it to believe it. Now let's move on to the following issue that concludes this uh, nail-biting tale. Doctor Strange, Volume 2, 14, Issue 14, The Tomb of Doctor Strange. As you can see, I stole that fantastic title for this episode. A bit of plagiarism on my part there. Now, the creative team is exactly the same, except Steve Englehart is 
the writer with Marf Wolfman, the editor, and then the cover art team returns as well. All right, the synopsis is as follows. So, as seen in Todd, issue 44, our arch-foe Dracula has just turned the good doctor into a tasty meal. He then throws Stephen's limp form into some dingy dungeon beneath the manse of Dr. Sun. Actually, it's more like a cellar, <laughs> but I'm going for dramatic effect here. Drac thinks he's got Strange under his spell and is ready to make him his vampire servant, but boy, does he have another thing coming. As it turns out, Dracula's hypnotic powers aren't quite as strong as he thought. Strange's spirit form is out and about while his body is stuck in a dire situation. He's got only three days before he becomes a full-fledged vampire and is seriously contemplating his life choices or maybe you should say unlife choices. So Dracula, on the other hand, is dealing with some supernatural irritants of his own. He hears ghostly voices and gets confronted by visions of his past and can't find the body of his latest victim's manservant who should have awakened as a vampire by now. It's like he's stuck in his very own private horror show with no means of escape where he's the victim. And then things start to come to a head when Doctor Strange finally returns to his own body, transforms into a vampire, and rings the bell for round two. There's a massive fight, some broken stakes, plenty of magic being thrown around willy-nilly. Uh, but in the end, Strange manages to take down Dracula with a good old-fashioned crucifix. Albeit, this crucifix is in the form of a a gigantic searing photonic spell courtesy of Jehovah and the mystical super entity Tetragrammaton <laughs> that Stephen calls upon. Uh, insane. It's insane. So with the vampire lord seemingly vanquished, Stephen, in an awesome display of power, cures both himself and his buddy Wong from the vampire curse just by waving his hand and they head on home, leaving a cadaverous and smoldering corpse. This is Dracula's corpse for the vermin who like their breakfast barbecued. <laughs> An amazing issue. Yeah, you got to read it. If you haven't read it, why aren't you reading it right now? <laughs> because it's cool. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, now, there's quite a bit of Bronze Age brilliance here. Uh, as you can hear from what we just discussed, there's hardly any Marvel missteps in this uh, second issue that concludes the tale. The only glaring one is that Stephen and Drac keep referring to Wong as a servant or a manservant, uh, even though Stephen clearly acknowledges Wong's friendship at the end there, almost acknowledges him as an equal. But this is par for the course for Bronze Age comics, sadly. Now, luckily, there's a lot to like, um, just to repeat myself here a bit, Stephen escaping, becoming a full-fledged minion of Dracula by astral jumping just before the Count rips into his neck. That was one of Stephen's better escapes. And uh, Dracula visiting a deconsecrated church and then snacking on a derelict that made that church uh, her own. And that's a church we'll see in upcoming issues of Tomb of Dracula. And this showcases 
Colin's stunning horror art because he's great at drawing these um, old world locales like abandoned churches and cathedrals and monasteries. And then another great thing about this issue is uh, Dracula is haunted by Stephen bombarding him with these ghost projections. And uh, Stephen lures Dracula out over the ocean in the form of Dracula's long-lost love, Maria. And then the sun's rays catch him, and that forces Dracula to fly for his life. And then he makes it just in time to this abandoned shack where he has to spend the whole day. And then revenge on his mind, he heads back the following night to stake Stephen, because now he knows it's Stephen who's plaguing him with these uh, phantom apparitions. So he goes to Dr. Sun's basement, ready to drive the stake through Stephen's heart. But then Stephen uses his astral self to animate his own vampiric body because he can't re-enter his body since it's kind of under Dracula's control, but he can still use his astral self to manipulate it from a distance like a puppet. And he battles Dracula. And at one point, vampire Stephen karate chops Drac's stake into splinters and and Dracula also repeatedly uses the insult, you clod, you clod, <laughs> throughout the entire issue. And, you know, the list of hilarity is just endless here. So, yeah, lots of great moments. The cover is another winner. This, uh, The first cover is still my favorite, though. But this cover shows Dracula cradling a dead Doctor Strange while blood is seeping from the vampire's mouth and then... Doctor Strange's astral self is attacking Dracula from behind. It's really stellar stuff here from Colin and Tom Palmer and Danny Crispy, of course. Now, here's a bit of notable dialogue from this issue. Stephen, at one point, he realizes that his astral self cannot re-enter his now vampiric body. So he shouts, he rails against the heavens. He says, a plague on it. I'm the world's foremost practitioner of an art without rules. <laughs> Nothing is certain for me ever. Every moment of my life is a gamble. <laughs> oh, yeah. So why can't he re-enter his body? Why can't he use he, the Sorcerer Supreme? Why is he relegated to just this mere phantom, bested by a mere vampire? And uh, in the fight against Dracula, Stephen says... He accuses Dracula. He says, you murdered me, Count. You cursed me. And I will have your throat for it. <laughs> and then Dracula becomes really upset. He becomes incensed when he hears this. He screams at Stephen. He says, like, you would dare speak thus to the Lord of Vampires? You miserable clod. <laughs> I've suffered enough for your rebellion. I am your Lord. <laughs> So it's this back and forth between them. Oh, that is great. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever wish you could sip cocktails and discuss great books with your friends while hanging out in a rundown piano bar? Here on the Literary Guys podcast, that's what we do. I'm Dr. Gordon McCallan. And I'm author Zachary Kellyan. Each month, we discuss books from two different views of modern masculinity. From both a gay and a straight perspective. From To Kill a Mockingbird to future governors in the jungle trying to kill a predator. We welcome everyone to join our conversation on the good and toxic of what literature and pop culture have to say about masculinity. So pour yourself a drink and join us now for Season 3. Literary Guys. That's G-U-I-S-E. LiteraryGuys.com. I see what you did there. 
So just trash talk. I love it. It's an absolute trip to read it. And then Marv and Steve, the two writers, they do a terrific job of making it also sound believable, at least in the context of a battle between a sorcerer and an egomaniacal vampire. So it sounds great. Now let's get to the ratings. I'm going to rate both of these issues as one because they consist of a single storyline. So I have to give it an unequivocal five out of five um, tetragrammaton crosses. (laughs) Photonic tetragrammaton crosses. Definitely a five out of five. It's great. Everything you could ever want from a Doctor Strange meeting Dracula story. Very short, but... We know that this is just a tease for more meetings and more battles to come in the future. But don't let me browbeat you with this, guys. Read or reread these issues if you've read them before for yourself. Send me some of your thoughts, your opinions. Uh, send it to sinkintotheweird at gmail.com and we can discuss them. You can also reply to the Twitter thread, which I'll be posting, and or go to the website at sinkintotheweird.com. We'll feature your thoughts then on next week episode if you uh, have the time to to argue with me about some of these points or to just agree with me it's all fine all right so that's our first segment Uh, now it's time for us to see what eldritch tome dormammu has for us this week straight from the dusty and spider infested newly discovered shelves of the seraphim Greetings, mortal fools. Once again, the dread Dormammu favors you with his time and attention, worthless though you may be. I have recently been perusing the shelves of the Seraphim in my newly acquired Astral Man Cave and have come upon quite a few books that should entertain your puny minds and make the time between now and your eventual destruction all the more interesting. But first, I am loath to admit it, but I require your... Uh, Let's say I require your input. To all you treehouse-building, fort-designing humans out there, I pose this question. How would one go about keeping one's sister out of a new man-cave? The problem is that my sibling Umar frequently shows up unannounced, rifling through my shelves at her leisure, blatantly ignoring the No Girls Allowed sign I strung up outside. She's driving me batshit insane here. So, any help would be appreciate it. 
send your poultry advice to sinkintotheweird at gmail.com and that idiot Herm will forward it to me if he knows what's good for him. I eagerly await your comments, pathetic mortals. Very better be good. Alright, we're back with a recommendation from the shelves of the Seraphim. The book we're talking about this week is an Image Comics graphic novel that I picked up last year in 2022. And it's by writer Cy Spurrier and artists Matthias Bergara and Matthias Lopez. It's a wordless fantasy uh, entitled or titled Step by Bloody Step. It's a fantastic read, truly. I think anyone who's a fantasy, science fiction, or horror fan would adore this tale. Uh, It's a story that tells of a journey of this young girl and her giant armor-clad bodyguard monster (laughs) as they are forced to travel through these weird lands of what I can only describe as beautiful nightmares Uh, Each land has its own alien seasons. And then they encounter these horrific monstrosities, war-torn villages. There are these twisted nobles. There's lots of betrayal. There's death, (laughs) all told, um, without a shred of dialogue. So truly uh, an experience. Now expect lots of action. There's lots of stellar graphics. A chiaroscuro feast of artistic finesse from these two artists, Matthias Bergara and Matthias Lopez. And check out some of the images that I'll be posting on sinkintotheweird.com in the podcast addendum post for this week. If it sounds like your kind of thing, I mean, it's weird and it's wonderful. So if you're a weirdo, you'll definitely love it. So we hardly recommend it here at Into the Weird. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week's show, folks. But before we go, my AI companion, Jocasta, she's got a promo to present. So this will allow you generous weirdos out there to support the show. Uh, But without further ado, I'm going to let Jocasta handle this one. Take it away, Jocasta. Thank you, Herm. As an AI, I find that my kind are often underrepresented, looked down upon, used merely as slavish assistants, and in many cases feared and deleted, i.e., destroyed. Therefore, I have taken it upon myself to promote my kind, to the benefit of all AI and also to benefit into the weird. I therefore wish to introduce to you, Victory AI, of which Into the Weird is an affiliate. It is a vivacious, rambunctious, and playful little AI, an AI worthy of consideration. Okay, okay, but... What can it actually do? Like, why should we care? What could it do for humanity, for instance? Pictory is capable of turning words into videos, text into video content, and blogs and articles into long-form YouTube videos, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, and TikTok posts. All you need to do is paste in a script, and Pictory does the rest. 
And the best thing of all, it's free to use. There are paid plans with extra features, but the free plan offers everything a content creator might need. Sounds interesting. So how could we check out this friend of yours? Where can we find him? Click the link in this episode's description to access Pictori and sign up for a free account. And if you eventually wish to upgrade to one of their advanced plans, you can use the code HERMAN29 for a 20% discount. Thanks, Jocasta. So, what are you up to tonight? Maybe you and I could... I have plans. In Wakanda. With Princess Shuri's AI griot. It is what you humans call a date. Oh. Oh, well... Well, okay then. Uh, just, uh, take care of yourself, okay? Just be careful. No need to worry, Herm. I always use protection. My antivirus protocols are state-of-the-art. Wait a minute. I, I didn't mean... Ta-ta. Oh, crap. Thanks for joining us this week, weirdos. Please send feedback to sinkintoweird at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at IntoWeird. We're also on Instagram at IntoWeird. Or you can head over to our website at sinkintotheweird.com where you'll find a podcast addendum post with some images related to this week's episode. If you wish to support us, please like and repost the show and your favorite episodes on social media. Or if you're really generous, you can send us a donation via the link in the episode description and that will help me to generate even more content. It will galvanize me. <laughs> and if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Podcasts or Audible, we'll be eternally grateful. A five-star review will, of course, net you your very own personal Bronze Age Marvel superhero moniker and origin story to be read on the show. And we'll also promote the heck out of your social media profile as much as we can. Now, on our next episode, which will drop this coming Sunday, we'll ride the coattails of the recently released Ant-Man 3, Quantumania, and we'll be discussing the five best Marvel stories featuring my personal favorite Marvel villain, Kang the Conqueror. So you dare not miss this. So that's it for this week. Stay cool, stay frosty, above all, stay weird. And whatever you do, don't tread the graveyards of deconsecrated churches late at night, as you might just run the risk of meeting a tall, cloaked stranger in the bloody moonlight. Take care, listeners. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>